And good afternoon, everybody. Hey, Dave. How are you? Hey, Jane. Doing well. Good to see you as always. Good to see you. It's yeah. Wednesday. It's the earlier time for doing live this week. Uh, and it seems like that's going to be the more common day, but we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But uh, welcome back, everybody. So happy to be here uh, for another episode. Uh, I think before we get started, um, just real quick, we're going to do a quick run through. Uh, we've just been spending the last week or two uh, planning our events for the year and where we're going to be at. So I'm going to do a very quick rundown um, of where you can find all things Deering, starting with uh, middle of April. We'll be at the NAM show in Anaheim, California from the 13th to the 15th. Uh, come back for a week and then we're straight back out to North Carolina for Merlefest. We are very excited about that one um, on the 27th uh, through the 30th and then up to Grass Valley um, in uh, California, Rocky Grass and Colorado. Dave, you'll be at Rocky Grass, right? I will be. I believe. Yeah, looking forward to it. With John Kavanaugh of Cavanjo Pickup fame. Um, uh -huh. Winfield, uh, IBMA in September, um, and then we are jetting out to the UK in November for the Eagle Music uh, Banjo 20, the 20th anniversary. So uh, very excited, a whole long list of, uh, of of events to plan. So if you want to come find us, particularly at Merlefest, I know that Greg and Janet will be out in Merlefest as well this year, um, alongside myself and young Dave here. You ready? Yeah. Excited? Spend some time yeah, with me in North Carolina? Exactly. You know. <laughs> it's really the only reason you go. Long, long talks. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Long talks, walking for coffee in the morning. That's what we do. Uh, all right. Let's get back into it. What do you think? Straight let's do up. it. Our guest today uh, is, ladies and gentlemen, a bona fide national banjo champion, having won the Walnut Valley National Blue, uh, Bluegrass Banjo Contest in 2017. He's based out of Nashville and shredding his way through the jamgrass scene and has shared the stage with many an epic performer, most notably of which as a member of the Jeff Austin Band. As well as working closely with some of the legends of the jamgrass scene, he's also a studio musician in Nashville and can currently be found on stage playing regularly with Molly Tuttle and the Golden Highway, who will also be at Rocky Grass while you're there, I believe. Uh, we're told uh, that they are definitely not related. I'm sure that question's been asked a million times and we're there and we're here to talk about it, and that's the only subject we're going to talk about. We'll go through it now. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Kyle Tuttle. Let's bring him in. There he is. Howdy, folks. Hey, Kyle. <laughs> See? I even got like a little uh, little rundown for my joke, which I thought was <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's the banjo version of... That's exactly what that is. Now I feel <laughs> inferior, but thank you. <laughs> go ahead, Dave. Uh... Yeah. Um, it's nice to see you. You want to kick us off? Yeah, it's good to see you too. Thanks for doing this. You want to start us off with a tune? Uh, sure. Yeah, I'll play a little tune, uh, a little number that I wrote um, uh, about getting painted into a Bob Ross painting. So just. <laughs> <laughs> it's colder on this mountain than I ever thought it'd be. Hey, won't you paint my darling right here next to me? Well, it's lonely on this mountain, and I want to go back home. I never found what I came for. Now I'm skin and bones. Well, I'm all skin and bones, darling. Nothing left to see. If you don't believe me, count the days I'm gone. Here, there, there, and here, there's happy little trees. But I'm lost out in the brush strokes all alone. Oh, Bobby, won't you paint me? 
Oh, Bobby, won't you paint me if I ask train? Oh, Bobby, can you paint me a banjo tune? Bobby, can you paint me off of this mountain back into my living room? Fantastic, love it. Oh. Uh, thanks, Dave. What comes to mind when I was watching that? It's like uh, it's like John Hartford meets Danny Barnes a little bit. Right on, right on. <laughs> yeah, I'm a big big fan of both those cats, for sure. Yeah. So that's a compliment. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, and how'd you come up with like that strumming technique that you're doing? Um. Well. I mean, I think you just called me out on it, man. Uh, John Hartford and Danny Barnes, you know. Um, uh, Danny, you know, I was I've I've been a bit a fan of Danny for a long time, and I and I started digging into uh, how he does that thing, man. And and what he really uh -huh. does, he can he can like really play claw hammer um, with these fingers with without the picks oh, wow. and the tip of the thumb, man. And he can get a pretty clean like. I mean, he can, I'm not even going to try. He can get a pretty clean yeah. bum ditty out off of the tip of the finger and the uh, tip of the and thumb the and those finger fingers. Um, yeah. I'm not really doing that. I'm just, I'm doing a bastardized version of what he's doing, you know. But... Yeah. Um, it's just. But you're strumming with the non-pick. You're strumming with the non-pick fingers there. Yeah. And then kind of muting with yeah, the pick fingers. Yeah, and it's kind of like, and it's almost like. It's almost like grabbing. It's almost like you're just holding the neck, you know. It's like I'm like going like I'm like hitting it with my palm. My palm's yeah, like yeah. landing on it. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah. There it is in yeah. slow motion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, but it's good. but being a band leader on the banjo, man, is is uh, is tough, you know. Um, and so that's that's a that technique sort of uh, has manifested by me. I think being a band leader on the having to sort of give people rhythm as a band leader on this instrument, you know. Yeah, and I wanted to talk about like singing, you know, singing while playing three finger. You know, most people kind of really simplify the playing or stop even. Um, but you're playing, you're playing pretty heavy on the right hand still while you're singing. Um, that's, that's something that kind of stood out to me. Did you have to? Did you have trouble at all when you first were trying to put them together, or did it just kind of come naturally for you? No, it's it's difficult, man. That's a that's a <laughs> uh, <clears throat> that's a that's some that's a deliberate thing uh, that I've worked on for sure. And I mean, I'm I'm even you know hesitant to sit here. It's harder doing it by yourself. If I had a, if I had somebody else, anyone else playing any other instrument, I probably would have played at least a little less banjo during the singing. But you know, that's uh, yeah, you're just filling out the sound. Yeah, yeah. Um. And then for the like being a band leader, like listening to you, we'll talk about some more, but your live album that you put out um, in 2021, I think, like one thing that stood out is there's no guitar player in the band. It's, 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 right. it's fiddle, banjo, bass and drums, right? Yeah, it's fiddle, banjo, bass and drums. And um, that's, I mean, that's kind of the thing, the guitar, you know, not, nothing against guitar players uh, out there. I love... Uh, Although this is a banjo forum, so yeah, forget yeah, guitar yeah, players. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, um, no, I was a guitar player first, man. Honestly, I was. I grew up being a guitar player um, before I picked up the banjo as a as a teenager. Um, but uh, the thing that I kind of learned being on the road and uh, and taking my own band out, you know, when you when you show up anywhere, if there's a guitar player in the band, any any sound person. The guitar players, the guitar just gets sort of mixed pretty hot in the yeah. mix and, and everyone sort of leans on the guitar because that is, is the, mm -hmm. that's just what we've all been trained to do and that's sort of how the music works. Um, so the easiest way for me to make my band work was to not have one of those uh, so that I get yeah. to have that all that space. Because I mean, we're playing, half the time we're playing the same, we're, they're all the notes that we're playing in any given chord right. voicing, the guitar is playing them on the same string at the same pitch, uh, you know, right. in, in any open stuff when you're rolling an open G or something like that. So that's like, dude, forget that. I need that space. Um, and, and my band is also that record, that particular record was, um, has a, the band at the time had drums and electric bass, which also does a lot to yeah. fill that, sound you know That's what i mean right. so yeah. so um these days i mostly have uh acoustic upright bass and well a plugged in upright bass and a plugged in banjo and a plugged in fiddle um i don't really have a drummer these days but uh it's still the same concept it's like right. i kind of like to have that i like to have that middle space you know yeah it seemed like in that band it seemed like you know the symbols of the drums were really filling that that spot that the guitar or mandolin would kind of fill, you know, Big and time. you really didn't miss it at all. But right. without the drums, what's what's filling that spot there? Or is you just you just having it more open, more free? Um, yeah, I, yeah, I think at times nothing, and is yeah. filling that spot, and at times. 
try not to sound too Dixieland. You <laughs> <laughs> sound like a Blackburn banjo player. <laughs> it's a fine line. There's a very fine line, man. And that's what's so cool about Danny Barnes is he can really play like plunky, thunky, barn-style claw hammer mm -hmm. with those picks on, man. I'm I'm like a what I'm doing is like a little baby version of of what he does with that, you know. Um, but I'm trying. It sounds great. It's great. So let's back up a little bit on your uh, on your the, your you know beginnings of of, of uh, being a musician and playing banjo. You mentioned your guitar player first, and I read up on you know on you 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 know I, you really start picked up guitar pretty young, and then you were really kind of a, a shredder, and then somewhere along the line you you found the banjo, right? Um, yeah, yeah, my. Um... My grandparents had a banjo. Um, I was I started playing guitar when I was a tiny when I was like five years old. When I was like two years old, I had this little toy guitar. It's actually it's around here somewhere, but um, uh, I was just banging on it and singing songs and stuff, you know, uh, singing nonsense mm -hmm. songs. And so I got uh, still banging on them, singing nonsense songs. By the way, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> no, I got uh, I got that I had that guitar. They put me in guitar lessons, and then. Um, when I was, and I was like a metalhead, I was in a punk rock band and I, I loved, I loved that stuff, you know, uh, real into Ozzy and the, and the, the early Metallica when they were still cool and all that stuff, you know, misfits. Um, but I got a banjo when I was about 17. Um, my grandparents had one also, nobody in the family played it or anything. It was a silver tone, um, with a plastic resonator on it. I mean, it was a, it was cheap, but it was enough to learn, uh, uh, you know, and after that I was just like, I was hooked, man. So, um, that really, uh, that really took, took over, took over sort of everything for me, I guess, you know? Um, and I did still play guitar for a little while too. There was like some bands where I was playing, playing guitar and playing banjo and switching back and forth and stuff. But by the time I was about 22, or something probably even by the time I was about 20 I quit guitar really and just just focused on the banjo really mm -hmm. okay how do you never have you never get you had the urge to to you know have to, to I'm sure you've picked up a guitar here and there and just you'd be like well that you know it reminds eh. you of something that you used to do and you can do it you know you have the I mean I used it. to could do it I don't really I'm not really I can't really do it anymore you know and honestly one of my favorite things now is to is to pick up like a telecaster or something and uh -huh. tune tune the e string down to a d tune the high e down to a d and tune the low d low e down to a d uh and then put on finger picks and I can do some pretty cool stuff with that you know uh, <laughs> right but uh but I'm uh, that's all, that's about it for me uh, and I don't, I don't even like have one of those setups in the house, you know. I just right, you don't even have a guitar I, setup in. Around. I've, I've got some guitars in. The, I've got some guitars. I mean, I've got you know everybody right. hoards their holds on to too many instruments. I got, yeah, yeah, I yeah. still got too many guitars from when I was a guitar player, but <laughs> right. uh, they they've they, they all the cases are collecting dust. And, and then uh, so then you went up to you went to Berkeley, right? I did. Mm -hmm. And how many did you spend time in Boston after after school? Um, yeah, so I was at Berkeley for two years, and then 
I hung out for one more year in Boston, just like uh-huh. kind of, I mean, I was practically still in Berkeley, but not yeah. officially. <laughs> and there's a good little scene happening at that time. The Cantab lounge scene was, was really going probably at that time, maybe. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. The Cantab was really happening, man. There was a, there was a very cool thing there. Um, I started at the same semester as, um, at, that Sierra Hall started there. Uh, and, um, I guess Bronwyn from Molly's band also started, Bronwyn Keith Hines started there same semester. Uh, John Mylander, Gabe Hirschfeld, Patrick McGonigal, um, you know, Dominic Leslie was already there. Alex Hargraves was already there. Mike Barnett was already there. Uh, um, you know, Hannah Reed, uh, was already there. Rick Robertson was already there. Uh, there was a lot of cool cats there. The, the Delamay band was just forming um, at that time, you know, so they were playing at the Cantab all the time. And yeah. um, it was really exciting. It's a really exciting time to be there. I was like, yeah, I used to be in a, band, in a band with John Mylander in San Diego. Um, oh, cool. When he, was, when he was like 16, 17, 18, we, were, we had like a, a trio plow that, you know, that was fun playing with him. He's a killer musician. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, I love John so much. I was just with him all weekend in uh, in uh, Steamboat Springs, uh, Colorado, for the Winter Wondergrass Festival. He and I were both uh, artists at large there this weekend. Nice. So we were just like bouncing around, sitting in with everybody. It was a blast. Nice. Mm-hmm. And then you decided to make the move to Nashville. Um, did you? Just did you get up and running and get start getting gigs and start getting um, touring gigs once you got there? Uh, more or less, yeah. I mean, it was it's it, it's a it was I started getting playing you know playing in town gigs immediately for sure. I mean, Nashville's a very supportive scene, and, right. and um, at the time, Broadway. Now Broadway is a, a whole scene, uh, you know, and you can't park down there and there's, it's, uh, it's not, there's not much bluegrass music happening down there, but at the time there was still, you could still play on Broadway, uh, and a handful of bars had regular bluegrass. So those were options, you know, for pickup gigs for someone like me that had just moved to town. There was, that was like, right. there's a couple cycles a day of bands playing down there. So there's a lot of turnover. Um, there was still a handful of other little smaller dive bars that are all gone now, uh, where you could make. 45 bucks and a, and a couple of PBRs and a mm-hmm. burger, you know, uh, and it's a, and it was a very supportive scene and that's what kept me going in it for a while. And then after a couple, uh, you know, probably by the next summer or something, I started, um, getting more traveling opportunities. And who, who are some of those first, uh, uh traveling the gigs? First, like the, kind of the first gig that I had on the road was playing with Rebecca Frazier um, Rebecca and John Frazier in her band called Hit and Run. Um, okay. And that had been a Colorado band, but they had relocated to Nashville and sort of rebuilt that band. And so I was like in the first version of their like rebuilt Nashville version of that band, you know. Uh, then I traveled around with uh, Bradford Lee Folk and the Bluegrass Playboys for uh, a year or so. Um, I worked a lot with a guy named Chris Henry down here. Um, Worked a lot with a guy named Johnny Campbell down here. Those are good buddies of mine um, that had killer bands. And, uh, you know, let's see. Then what did I do after? Probably after being in Brad's band, I think that's when I put out my first album. 
and I took my own band on the road for a very brief period of time. Uh, and then I got called by Jeff Austin, uh, and I took that gig and did that for three years. And then, um, then after that, that was 2019, then, uh, you know, basically took my own band out again and then it was pandemic time. So that all stopped. And then after that, I started to play with the little Smokies yeah. and I did that for a year. And then after playing with the little Smokies, I joined a Molly Tuttle's band and that's what I'm doing now. <laughs> <laughs> Whole history. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so in that history there, you, you played, you, you know, at the top of the show, we introduced you as, as, you know, the, um, when Walnut Valley banjo contest winner and you, you, yeah. you, uh, you know, done well in that contest a number of times. Um, talk a little bit about playing contests, like the psychology of going in and playing a contest. And when you won, what did you play on that year versus other years? What did you play? And did you think you played better that year that you won? Or was it just maybe, a, you know, a, a better year for, for you voting wise for another reason? Um, yeah, all, all, uh, all good questions there. Um, it's, first of all, let me start by saying music contests. I mean, come on, it, right out of the gate. It's like, dude, that's messed up. You know, I kind of, I hate, <laughs> I, I just, I, I want to umbrella this whole thing with like, I kind of hate them just fundamentally on what they are, you know, cause someone's got to lose and someone's got to win and no one's better. I mean, sure. Some people sound better than other people on better days and that's fine, but but people yeah. really, really, really take this stuff seriously and, and, and can, mm -hmm. can get caught up in it. So I just want to preface yeah. all of it with no one gets killed, it's, no one dies, no, you may play a bad note, you win, you lose. It's just a pretty silly thing to get worked up about. Um, that said, I've been worked up about it, you know, and um, what I, when I started doing it, um, man, I had every note arranged, you know, you, when you go to Winfield, you get five minutes, uh, and they expect you to play two songs. It's blind judging. So nobody can see you. They just say contestant number nine. And then you sit there, don't say anything, mm -hmm. you just pick. Um, and so you need to have two songs. And then if you move on five contestants, move on to the second round. So if you're one of them five, you need to have two more songs to play. So basically you got like, you, and you can't go over, you lose points. If you go over, no, no problem if you go under. Um, so you've got 10 minutes or less of prepared material when you show up for this thing and it's in, in the form mm -hmm. of four, four fiddle tunes. You want it to be something that the judges can recognize, I think, you know, obviously, because yeah. they need some context to know if you're good or bad. Um, so the first time I did it, I had every note arranged of those nine and a half minutes of music, you know, and I got... Uh, I got into the top five, but I didn't get into the top three. And, you know, I probably didn't, I don't remember how well, I, I don't remember how well I played. Uh, if you get in the top three, you take home a banjo at Winfield. So you you really, even if you don't win, if you take, if you get second or third, you're taking home a banjo and that's pretty cool. So yeah. if you get the top four or five, it's just a plaque and that's, that's a little bit more disappointing, you know? Um, <laughs> and as, so as the years went on, I uh, prepared less and less, obviously, as any, mm -hmm. as anyone's going to do, but I still really, really prepared, you know, and I started getting second and third and second and third and whatever. I can't remember what order. Um, 
And then, and also I was through those years, you know, when the first time I went, I was a student at Berkeley still. I didn't have a road gig. I was sitting at home practicing all the time. So I had a lot of time to make a really cool arrangement and work it out, man. Um, right. the, as the years progressed, I got busier and busier on road gigs and I had less and less time to apply to those arrangements. So naturally they became simpler and, and, and got a little bit more improvisy just by nature because mm -hmm. they, because they had to. Um, and the year that I finally won, um, I played, I can't remember, I, 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 I think I played John Hardy or John Henry. I mean, it's terrible that I don't know. Um, I played four <laughs> tunes and I played four tunes and one of them was my own. I even played an original song that I wrote, um, that, uh, that sounds like a fiddle tune, you know what I mean? It just sounds like a banjo mm -hmm. fiddle tune. It's nothing, it's not one of the more heady tunes at all. I mean, it's just a A, A, B, B, pretty simple thing. Sure. Um, and, uh, I also, on those arrangements, man, uh, by that time, I knew how I was going to, basically, if you figure you got five minutes and you got, uh, these, you're going to play two songs, that's two and a half minutes a song. Pretty much at one AABB on any fiddle tune is like 30 seconds long. It's pretty amazing if you start mm -hmm. counting. doesn't matter if it's slow or fast. They're all like 30 seconds long. So uh, you figure two, you know, four of those. If you do four of those on each tune, or maybe five on one of them, you know, that gives you time, 30 seconds to tune in the middle of your thing. So I would have like four passes through, and I basically knew how I was going to kick the thing off. I knew how I was going to end it. And I knew like a hot lick or two that I wanted to play at the top of the neck. And so I was basically like, I'm going to get through one time down here. And then I'm just going to have fun getting to an idea that I know that I can land that's pretty cool. And then I'm going to have fun getting back down to the last time through that I know I can land is pretty cool. And that's the time that I actually won the thing. And I was, so, I was like way more relaxed than I had ever been before, which surely helped and surely comes across in your playing, you know. Right. Do you think being less, being less, having it less worked out and more just relaxed and just playing actual music rather than like all tense and making sure every note is perfect and comes out? Yeah, that way. and oh. and and I, you know, I actually forgot about this too until, until just now. But I had, I even went into it like deliberately being like, I'm gonna try and make a little bit of a concert out of this because there's people watching you, right? But yeah. um, and they know they. They're watching you. They it says your name right there. They know who you are, but the judges right. don't know who you are. I mean, once you've heard a banjo player a certain number of times, you're like, oh, okay, I know these guys are in the contest all the time. I know who that is. I know who that is. Uh, but they don't know who you are. But there's people. There's like a lot of people sometimes watching the contest. There might be like two hundred people sitting there watching the banjo <laughs> contest, and right. he's got and everyone gets so caught up in the thing, man. So many players up there are so nervous. And you can just see, you can feel it. It's like, God, I'm, I'm nervous. Why yeah, I'm and on nervous. banjo, like if you're nervous, it just doesn't work on three finger. Mm -hmm. You know, you can't no. power through it really. No, so, you know, the more comfortable you are, the more comfortable people are watching you do anything. Yeah. It doesn't matter what, yeah. what you're doing, but, but playing. So anyway, I, I went into it being like, I'm going to be really relaxed. I'm going to rely on the rely on some improv some improvisation and some try not to paint myself into too crazy of a corner but let myself let myself trust myself and i'm going to try mm -hmm. and make it something fun to watch since there's actually people watching and none of us can seem to remember that part about it so uh i so those that was my secret man 
that and I had done it six times already. I mean, that's part of it too. Right. You know, right. Or whatever. And did you months. just mainly do the Winfield one, or did, were you, were you, did you tour around and do a bunch of contests? Were you one of those people? <laughs> one of those. <laughs> um, I started, I, I, no, I, I understand. I'm, I'm, uh, I started. I did kind of set out to be one of those people, um, and I and I went to Merlefest and I got second place. The first time I went to Merlefest banjo contest, I got second place, and the very next year they canceled the Merlefest banjo contest forever. So, um, I only got to get second there and Winfield and Merlefest were the only two that I was really trying to get. I did like a, I did like a little one up in Massachusetts outside of Berkeley. Um, I can't remember what I, I think I got. Fresh grass? Or no, I've never done the fresh grass. And this was, this was a couple of years before that. This was like yeah. some little tiny podunk local thing, um, right. in Massachusetts. But anyway, I didn't become, I, I, I veered off the path. I didn't become one of those people. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I just focused on, uh, on Winfield. And once I got it, you know, I got, I got pretty burnt out on, on, on the whole contest thing and, and really busy, you know. I do want to go back and, get, and try Winfield again because, uh, you know, you can try every five years. So I'm, okay. I'm just. I didn't know if you were banned once you, once you won or something like that. You're only banned for five years. Right. So I'm just now, I can't remember what year I won, but I'm pretty much back, back able to go now again. So who knows? Watch out, Winfield. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, do you want to play us another one of these burning tunes that would win a contest right now? Oh, man. I... Or do you just, yeah, just you, can, I, you can sing I, it too. No, I had another, I had sort of another thing prepared that I was probably going to play. That's not really a, yeah, go ahead. Um, go ahead. Go ahead. It was just... not really the, 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 the burning contest thing. Um, um, <laughs> you know, I, I'm, as I was sitting here talking about that tune of mine that I, that I won the, uh, thing with, I haven't played it in so long. I don't think, I can't even remember the B part of the thing. Otherwise I would probably play that right now. Um, but, uh, I was going to play you this tune off of a record, the instrumental record that I put out a couple years ago. Um, yeah. It's called, uh, the tune's called Birdie Strut. Um, and it's kind of, you know, a lot of folks like to practice with a metronome and stuff like that. Um, the I, One of the tricks I like to do with this one is I got like basically a drum sequencer machine and it's like the same idea as a metronome, but it's just a little bit more fun and funky uh, mm -hmm. to jam right. along with, you know. Uh, so anyway, yeah. here... Uh, is this tune of mine called Birdie Strut. Um, it's on that live record too, actually it's on both my records.
great tune. I love it. Uh, thanks. <laughs> Glad you didn't fall off your, your chair, though. Yeah. yeah, I got close. I had to pull the earplugs out in the middle of that one there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so anyway, that's that probably wouldn't win Winfield, though. Don't don't try that at Winfield. They don't don't play that one. Okay. All right. Got it. I promise. <laughs> More <laughs> notes. Yeah. Um, well, we have some questions I want to, um, from the, from the viewers want to get to right now. Um, first yeah. one is, uh, Victor Ka Coco, um, s saying, uh, Kyle Tuttle, what is the name of your banjo? Um, what is the, uh, brand name don't know or what is it talking like about personal... the, the, the brand or if they're talking like you have, like you know, personal Lucille, name, you know, well, believe it or not, it doesn't have, I don't have a Lucille. It doesn't have a name. I've kind of got some flack for that before, but um, I love the, I love this instrument to death and I'm, and I'm very close to it and I've been playing it for a very long time. Haven't felt the need to name it for some reason, um, but it is a uh, 1979 uh, Ode, uh, the, the resonator, I've got it done a pretty good number on the, Okay. see that spot there. Oof. Um, it's a 19, the, the, the pot's a 1979 Ode style C, um, uh -huh. and, uh, the neck was made by a guy named Robin Smith, um, who I think was one of the greatest, just, just one of the yeah. greatest, uh, neck makers of all time, man. Um, RIP Robin, we lost him a couple years ago, uh, but, yeah. uh, he made, he made this neck basically to, um, it, it's the it's like it's kind of like Bela's specs like from his um, RB seventy five or whatever the Monteleone neck that Bela has like his most popular mm -hmm. one you know um, it's the same width as that neck which is super wide uh, and it's the mm -hmm. same radius also it's like a compound radius um, it's not quite as thick front to back as that right. as Bela's neck is you know um, right, right. but uh, which is interesting because. Uh, the the ode necks were um, a slightly longer scale. Get that tuner up here. Speaking of they aren't twenty six and a quarter. They're a little bit gear. longer. Um, yeah, they're there's something longer, you know, which ultimately moves your. They had a longer tailpiece, and the bridge was mm -hmm. like a little further Has up. Has to go on the center. On them when they were when when it was an ode. So by putting this scale neck on this pot, it's like kind of unique sounding because most of those. Most of these pots aren't set up that way. I don't know if it's good or not. It's just, right. it's, it's, uh, and this was my buddy, Richard Barrett's, um, shout out to Travis Barrett. This is Travis Barrett's banjo. Um, and I bought it from him when I was like 18 years old and I've been playing it forever. So is your bridge super tall? Like, like Bela's bridge too? Um, it's not as tall, but it's pretty tall. I mean, I think it's, I don't know if you can see, see anything it else like, in there. It's like, I don't know. It's like, it's like, Three quarters. I don't think it's. Maybe. I think it's three quarters. Yeah, or maybe yeah. it's at least it's at least five eighths, if not three quarters. Five eighths is maybe. standard. So yeah, yeah. What would be a, what seven sixteenths? Bellows is like almost an nine inch. Nine sixteenths or um, eleven sixteenths. Eleven sixteenths. <laughs> this uh, is a common, taller one. Yeah. 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 I'm not really sure, but that's sure. that's all. It's all. That's all. This is um, Robin's neck and and uh, Robin's bridge also on there. You know, his, okay. his setup right. job. So, is your radius? Is, did you say your radius is super radius like Bela's too? Is it? Yeah. Is it really. Uh, uh, 
and I've got uh, jumbo, like the biggest frets that you can get, uh, and they're stainless right. steel. So that's that's another that does a Did lot. You... I mean, man, when you got those big old frets, it's practically like a scalloped neck on an electric guitar. You know what I mean? Like, right, there's right. no way there's no way your string could touch the wood. Like you'd be you'd yeah. be way sharp if you got all the way down there. You know, so our ten brooks banjos used to have jumbo frets all of them they've moved down to uh more normal sizes but uh jens yeah. used to jens would spec it out and he would always uh he liked the, the really jumbo frets um so yeah but Believe often that. people would buy the, the banjos and say my banjo intonation is 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 bad on the jumbo frets and it's like no you're sorry but you, you're pressing down too hard you know and uh yeah so that was a common question during that, that period. Yeah, totally. um, yeah, exactly. You're pushing down to, or when you put a capo on, it's like, why isn't the capo working well? It's like because you're gonna have to put it right on top of the fret, basically, yeah, because yeah. otherwise you're 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 uh, you're really you're bending the string. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we got a number of other questions that are kind of coming in. So we got uh, Robert Fink is saying, practice. How often? How long? And what? Um practice oh man um you know how long it's been a long time it feels like um i know i used to have i used to really have a um i used to have a pretty uh heavy duty practice routine um but now being on the road these days it's basically like just practice uh your practice the songs that you need to practice you know and the, and the rest of it's just sort of play more more playing i would say these days i play 95% of the time and I practice 5% of the time that I've got the right. instrument in my hand. That might be an exaggeration, but, um, but used to, man, when I had more time, um, and when I was in, when I was in school and stuff, um, I would spend like at least 20 minutes a day with a metronome. Just like I would start every single day, just like turning on a metronome, you know, uh, where you at? Can you hear this? Yep. And just take the right hand and about 20 minutes of this type of thing, you know, mm -hmm. different subdivisions. I think tw I think you can spend about 20 minutes like without without even your left hand on the instrument and then I have this exercise um, that I do uh, that was basically I've got like a YouTube video that shows all this stuff these but it's it's like major seven chord shapes major major diatonic seven chord shapes so there's majors yep. and minors and dominants. So I would just like pick a key, try to pick a key that's like not G, you know, so play B flat and just sit there with the metronome on and go. You know, whatever. Um, and that was, that was kind of like par for the course, like the first... 30 minutes of every single day uh, that I play the instrument. Mm -hmm. And then after that, just like trying to learn tunes, you know, lear learning fiddle tunes, a lot of, um, 
I like I like a lot of closed position stuff, and I'm very like visual and linear with what I play because I was a guitar player first, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I'm learning tunes, a lot of the times I'm leaning more towards like a single string version of it, uh, or coming up right. with my own arrangement. I'm going to be doing a lot of single string stuff, and it's very like pattern based and scale based. So right. uh, that's kind of what I that's when I had practice time. When I have practice time, that's sort of how I use it. This the thing about I see my you know professional musicians when you when Sorry. professional <laughs> musicians when when they when they when they start when you start playing a lot of gigs when you you know play almost every day a lot of time this practice can go by the wayside and um, and it's good that you're you're playing a lot but did you find that when you start to plateau out because you don't have that time to shed on things that you don't know because when you're playing you might stretch out a bit but you're kind of still you're kind of still doing your your thing versus you know when you're really practicing and playing things that you have no idea how to do and if you just don't have that time anymore you know have you do you know what i'm talking about i i do yeah and i mean there's you know there's Yes and no to different elements of your playing, right? Because there's like there's you could be practicing like just your chops, like how how quickly and 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 cleanly can you play physically? You know mm-hmm. that's the physical element, yep. and then there's like the heady brain element of like well, what note choices and what type of new harmonic ideas can I can I learn? Um, and I would say that to 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 speak to your question. Um, the harmonic side is for me the that harmonic side mm-hmm. and 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 that's the side that can sort of plateau and and sort of get a little un you can feel a little uninspired there um the the physical side um i've i've I always managed probably by nature partially being a banjo player but i managed to come up with uh, to be in pretty physically demanding bands like bands that like to right. play really really fast you know and right. so it's like I'm, it's almost better for me for my chop side of, of playing. It's like, dude, I can't sit in a room by myself and give myself the energy that's going to make myself practice, play at those tempos for those mm-hmm. speeds. But I can do it on stage right. for sure. Um, so, right. so as far as far as the chops are concerned, I feel like when I'm coming off the end of a run or on the road or at the end of a busy year, my hands might be a little sore, but I'm kind of like in tip top shape as far as that right. side of it's concerned. The harmonic right. thing. Right. It's it's a little bit different. I've I've had some gigs in the past where you where I was able to stretch stretch out maybe more harmonically, you know, more jammy mm-hmm. loose situations where um, you where you're not necessarily where it, I mean as long as improvisation stays as part of the gig, I mean that you're always you're always working that too, you know, you're yeah. always you're always yeah. working that harmonic side of the brain at least a little bit, I think. Sure. Definitely. Um, Mark Zentes says that's clearly a well-used head. Is that his concert banjo that he uses when playing with Molly? Yeah, yeah. This is really. I mean, this is pretty much for the last ten years. I've been in Nashville for ten years. Yeah, for pretty much ten ten years. This is the only banjo that I've played, and I have changed this head a couple times. But I have. But it's been probably at least. I think I've probably only changed it one time in those 10 years, actually. I've changed it once, and it's been at least five years since then. Yeah. Yeah. 
So do you feel the sound changes at all with the with the um, frosting gone? Where when you have a new head, does it sound different? Well, that's what I'm afraid of, David. You know, uh, why do you think yeah. I got all the why all this frosting gone, man? Because uh, I don't want to change it. Because yeah. I like the way it sounds, and um, you know, I mean, the, the, this oh, it's a this is a it's a really good banjo. Um, but it's not one of those, these aren't one of those sought after master tones, you know what I mean? And sure. the, those, those, when you, when you get one of those, one of those sort of like Holy Grail style banjos, or even something that's just, that's on its way to, to being one of those Holy Grail style banjos, uh, I think people take them apart and move all the parts around and stuff like that. And they, and they, they know what it can do. And this, and this one, uh, I'm, I've just, I'm just so happy with where it is. I'm scared to mess with yeah, it and that, that head, even though there's no, even though that frosting is totally gone, um, it sounds good to me, you know. So yeah, yeah, I'm I'm in your camp. I, I don't I don't change my my head very much, I, and it, I feel it's you know, it's going to be a different thing, and then it's kind of a mystery if I'm going to like it more or less. That's totally. I mean, there's there's inevitably going to be you would one would think that there's inevitably going to be some break-in period. I mean, even if it's just. Right couple of weeks and it's like man i'm on the road i've got this thing on stage every night i'm like a little hesitant to like make a big old change like that and throw it back out there yeah, or, yeah, yeah. Well, you know. it's not strings where it just sounds better you know right. generally totally yeah i mean who knows maybe it'll sound totally awesome and i'm like delaying this yeah beautiful amazing <laughs> and i'm just like sitting here with this worn out head because i'm afraid of it I, you never know yeah um let's see scott weber is saying when we touched on it earlier, but he says it's kind of related to Molly Tuttle. <laughs> Next question, please. <laughs> Christina Vane. It says, uh, when, when is the claw hammer making an appearance? Check it there out. Yeah, this is this is my little baby banjo. All right, what is this? A little short this is scale. The most, this is the most fun. This what is, is like my, this is made by Honer, man. Believe it or not. I'm sorry that we're not talking. <laughs> sorry. I don't have Deering banjos to um, show you guys, unfortunately at, at the moment. But um, this is like my, this is really talk about practice. I should, we should go back to a dude's practice question these days. This is what I practice on. If I'm going to be practicing anything, um, it's made by Honer. It's an open back, uh, short scale. I got it tuned to where that's a C chord open C chord. Uh -huh. So it's basically like if you had a, ba a regular banjo at Capo 5, you know. Right. Um, and uh, man, I mean, this thing, it's, uh, it goes to the campsite, it goes on the boat, it gets rained on, it's, it doesn't have a case. Right, right. It's just, it's just totally fine uh, and fun. But my friend Christina, who asked Christina Vane, she's an excellent claw hammer banjo player, taught me almost everything that I know, I should say. Gotcha. Um, uh, so y'all go check her out. Um, Christina Vane. She also is a shredder blues guitar player, but she's uh, also uh, does does the banjo thing real well. Um, and I played a low tuned banjo on uh, her most recent record on one track. One of those uh, gold tones. One of those like, you know, I guess it's a C. I guess it's also a C, but it's an octave below that one. I think. 
Oh, the cello banjo. It's the one they made. It's the Vela model they made. That's got the a Bela resonator one. on yeah. it. Yeah. It's it's yeah. really cool, man. It's like you play it with picks, yeah. and it's got a resonator. It may still be called the cello banjo, but it's no it's a resonator it's called, banjo. I forget. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really cool. Yeah, I've got. I don't have it. I wish I could pull it up right now, but I don't have it. <laughs> um. <laughs> Yeah, the questions keep coming in. So we have right. uh, Julie Colton, a regular viewer here, um, says, do you write songs randomly um, when you're feeling inspired or do you have regular time slots for writing so as to meet a deadline for an album? Uh, good question, Julie. I pretty much only write when I'm inspired um, and I'm pretty much inspired very rarely and at random times. It's like always when I'm like making a cup of coffee or standing and getting out of the shower or some silly thing, you know, um, mm -hmm. I don't write a whole lot here in Nashville. That's a big thing. A lot of people do make appointments, get together, sit down, go to their publishing houses and just, and just crank songs out, you know, and I've been lucky enough to have the opportunity to get to do some of that stuff in, in some of those writing rooms with some pretty, pretty big shot writer folks. Um, and it's really exciting um but it's just not really my style mm -hmm. you know if if that makes sense i do like contributing i do like doing that kind of thing uh but i don't really seek it out and uh <clears throat> most of the stuff i write is just just pretty silly i mean if you check out my catalog it's uh it's pretty silly when you're so you when you let's say you get inspired and you're doing something else making coffee or something um how do you capture that moment do you um Voice memo. <laughs> I run and grab this little guy <laughs> and, and rip okay. it out. Yeah, vo voice memo. A lot of times, you know, uh, voice memos are pretty good. Yeah, I've got a, I've got a handful. That's actually an, an, another thing. I've got a bunch of, I've probably got an album's my next album's worth of voice memos uh, that I just need to go through there in mine and figure out what they what's in there. Um, singing, right. you know, singing, singing yourself, making a little voice memo and counting, saying what it is, counting into it and singing a little line. Uh, mm -hmm. you know, uh, yeah, it's a pretty, it's a pretty good way to go. And we've like all got that tool in our pocket pretty much all the time, you know, right, so, right. as long as you can remember to use it. So. All right. Quattlebaum says, when will the Mohawk transition to mullet? We could have, we could have done that one live maybe on the, uh, on the show today, but, uh, yeah, that's man. We got all, all the banjo players are here. This is, this is my buddy, Austin. He's another, he's another really good banjo player. Uh, he's a, a Pacific Northwest guy, uh, and he travels around. He does some solo banjo stuff, which I think is, is a bold and, and brave move. I also do the solo banjo thing a little bit these days and, and, uh, Austin does a real cool version of it. Um, when am I going to cut the, yeah, I'm, I need, I'm due for a haircut, man, but. I'm not sure when. We'll see. <laughs> All right, Trevor Shaw saying, "What's your favorite festival?" Oh, T Shaw, what's my favorite festival? Is this a loaded question? Um, oh man, there's so many good ones, you know. I mean, I just got back from Winter Wondergrass and Steamboat, and that's a such a special event. Um, Those look killer you know strings and soul i mean down there on the beach in mexico that's a pretty special event uh the telluride bluegrass festival molly's band got to play the main stage at the telluride bluegrass festival for the, that was my first time on that stage right last summer that's a pretty special festival um yeah yeah there's just so many good ones 
What's my favorite festival? The next one. That's my answer. The next one. I, that's the right answer. There you go. Uh, Talking of festivals, I think I might have actually met you quickly at Rocky Grass a couple of years ago. Um, in mm, passing. Sounds fun. We didn't. Mm -hmm. Were you playing there in 2019? Not 2020. Actually, not 19. It would be 21. Sorry. Um. I'm I'm pretty sure that I was at both, man. Uh, I want to yeah. say that I was in I was there in '19 with the Jeff Austin band, unless unless it was '18. Je I did it I did it with Jeff in '18 or '19. I definitely did it with the Smokies with the Little Smokies. It was the Little Smokies in '21. Yes. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. Mm. Um, let's see. Christopher Callender says. I'm curious to what Kyle is listening to these days. Who are his favorite players and bands to listen to when not working on tunes? Um, huh. Well, what am I listening to these days? I mean, if you pulled up your, if you pulled up your, your, whatever, you know, listening. Yeah. But to, I'm always making, advice, I'm always making the uh, music. Your little, little drum drum. What, what's your last last put on last downloaded? Let's see. Well, see the thing is, I'm always I'm always looking for. Um, I'm always building set lists. My last my last uh, my last uh, played track is the ZZ Top version of Viva Las Vegas. Um, there you go. Where where are you gonna have? Where are you awesome. gonna hear me do that one? You gotta come to the gigs and find out. Oops. <laughs> um, uh, no, I've, uh, you know, I mean, I, I don't listen to tons of banjo music, man. You know, that's kind of one of the, one. Of, I mean, I like banjo music, don't get me wrong. Um, but uh, I don't listen to tons of banjo music. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm always listening to a lot of Grateful Dead, you know. There you go. Um, let's see, Christopher is also saying, why the red tape on the Clawhammer banjo? Um, why the red oh, tape, this, white tape. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it holds the bridge in place on this thing because uh, it's just a little slip slidey, you know, this the, this bridge and the, uh, the, the these Honer things, man, they're pretty cool. I, I bought this. I, someone gave it to me. I didn't buy it. Sorry. It was a gifted uh, from my friend Amy uh, in Asheville. And uh, I sort of upgraded the tuners. I upgraded the tailpiece. Um and this bridge just kind of has a hard time staying in place, especially because it's like a action banjo, you know, like I said, it's always getting tossed around and in and out of things. So I actually just put some pieces of electrical tape around it. They're not even holding the bridge. They're just sitting on the head and sort of stopping the bridge from sliding around. Yeah. I see. I see. Yeah. Purely function, not fashion. Um, let's see. Dylan Jones is saying, "Do you have a stretching slash warm up routine before playing or practicing?" Um, pretty much, it would be that thing that I that I that thing that I went over yeah. before. Uh, but if you weren't here, Dylan, it's it's a, a simple rundown of it is turning on a metronome and using a one just 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 turning on a metronome and doing like uh, subdivisions on one string at a time. Yeah. 
and then this little exercise, which is spelling out diatonic seventh chords, like like so. You would take a G major seven, A minor seven, B minor seven. It's like all the chords in the key of G as as seventh note, seventh chord. Then I have this roll that I do with it, where I go ascending one and descending another one. So Dylan just wrote in, he, he was, that's very oh. good. But Dylan just wrote in, he was asking in reference to stretching your arms, hands, and body. Oh, sorry. I talked for way too long about that. Um, <laughs> no, I don't, man. Like yoga and stuff, uh, I should, you know. <laughs> um, I really should. Uh, I I don't have like a regular routine or anything like that. I experienced some, some tightness, some muscle tightness and stuff like that. Uh, but it's never really debilitating, you know? Um, mm -hmm. I go and get a massage every once in a while right. when I get off of the road, you know, and, it's, and I and try, a lot, because a lot of the stuff that comes trouble in your hand can start up in your neck and stuff like that, you know? Right. Um, but no, just, just trying to be relaxed. I mean, that's, that's maybe the, the, the biggest thing, you know, because we can be so tense, especially when you're playing fast, especially when you're on stage and you're playing fast in front of people, man, it is, hard to not be tense you know uh and so just like breathing is a big part of that for me just being aware of your breath and taking big long deep breaths in and big deep big long exhales out you know like like you're doing yoga keeping everything keeping a uh what do they say a a, a relaxed jaw soft shoulders yeah yeah <laughs> you know uh, but no i, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the being tense um when playing on stage, especially, you just kind of answered it some about breathing and being staying relaxed. But do you find, especially because you play a lot of the times in in louder, or in the past you have um, louder bands and but with a lot of notes and sometimes difficult to hear yourself. Um, how do you, how do you, you know, stay relaxed and not overplay when sometimes the banjo is getting lost in the mix and um, and you're on stage and adrenaline's pumping and, you know. Um, yeah, that's a really great question, Dave. Uh, just, just, I mean, like, like uber focusing on this stuff yeah. I just said, you know, just like, yeah, like, yeah. like whew, just take a deep breath and chill, you know, because, because, uh, if you, I mean, if, if you have, if you're working on, on a situation with like in-ear monitors and you can like get either either go over to a device and turn yourself up or get someone's attention and uh, help have them turn up your in yourself in your ears then you're probably right. going to be solve it that way uh, if you've got a situation where there's a monitor stage monitor on the floor and you can get someone's attention and get that turned up that's always good too but sometimes those just aren't options you know or you sometimes you we don't have the sound guy when to have a smoke or something, you know, whatever. Yeah, totally. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like, I mean, honestly, man, and it sounds kind of crazy, but just like knowing, just trusting that you know what you're playing, 
You know, I mean, that's yeah. I've, I've been in that situation many times, especially when you're sitting in with a band, all, they throw you up for one yeah. song and all of right. a sudden the ear, right. the ear mix they gave you or the wedge or whatever, it's just not there. And you're only up here for two minutes. You can't really flag someone down and be like, can I get more of myself over here? You know, so it's just like, I just like, I know what I'm doing. Right. I know what my notes. Sh I know what my notes should sound like as long as everything's right. coming out the front. Pray it all matches up on the other side. <laughs> yeah, totally. Sometimes it's it's just you know pick and pray and don't. I mean, you, you, even then it's like don't play. You're not gonna play so hard that you solve the problem. You know. I mean, right. if it's it's you're not gonna like pick the note so pick the banjo so strongly that you're like oh it's all over it's all better that's 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 not gonna happen. So yeah 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 it's a psychological game to not you know. You aren't going to get it louder by playing an acoustic instrument harder. No, it's actually quite the opposite. It's you're going to right. make it quieter by playing it harder. That's another crazy thing about the banjo, man. Is is you can the harder you get it, and with a pickup, you know, with with a with a with yeah. a pickup. I mean, to some degree acoustically, but mostly I'm talking about with a pickup. Those, um, uh, what do they call that thing? Transducer. When you punch a transducer, it just is like, right. you know. Um, Joseph Brosk, another regular viewer, um, has a question about songwriting. Um, when does noodling become a song? When you record it. <laughs> right, and you can do it again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, when you when you when you can repeat it and when you can record it, I guess, would be the answer. You know, um, and that might just be putting I think that's it in what a voice demo. Said. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Uh, I think we have, I think you might know this person, Lessa Hyder Shut, um, oh, yeah. saying, are you ready for the Everglades and catching some snook? Yeah, they're talking about a fishing trip. Yeah, that's where, that's, <laughs> oh, 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 that's where, that's where this little guy comes in. This one doesn't go on the fishing trip, but this one definitely goes on the fishing trip. <laughs> yeah, so you're a big fisherman? A tiny banjo. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm, you know. I'm not the best, but I have fun. That's what it's there for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're trying to make a living at it. You're mm -hmm. trying. It's not for food necessarily. I'm not trying to make a living at. It. I'm not crazy, David. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make a living with this instead. Yeah. <laughs> well, this has been fun. Um, we had a ton of questions. That was great. Um, yeah. Um, it's kept coming in this time. Um, Cool. I, I didn't even I didn't even get into my questions, but uh, <laughs> awesome. We're, we're, uh, <laughs> we're, we'll have to do it again. Yeah, totally, man. Um, let's see. So, yeah, we're thanks for being here. We're you know we're at the at the top of the hour. We'd love to have you. Um, thanks for everybody for watching. Um, yeah. In two weeks, we have um, it's tentative, but we have Catch Secor from Old Crow Medicine Show. Um, cool. On, I think. The, 22nd of March. Um, I love that guy. Um, I believe it's two weeks from today. And uh, yeah, but uh, again, thanks for thanks for being there. Hopefully, maybe I'll see you at a festival this year sometime, and we'll have to uh, have to chat a little bit more. Yeah, definitely, definitely. It's a pleasure, David. Wanna, thanks for having me. Yeah. Do you want to play a tune? Play us out. Sure. Um. <laughs> Yeah, I'll give you. I'll give you a. Uh, I'll render you a little Earl Scruggs tune. Uh, it's actually not Earl's tune. 
I'm not gonna play it exactly like it. But... Um, yeah, I'll do a little home sweet home. You know, most banjo players would uh, Earl would do this with a low tuned uh, fourth string, so it'd be like a low C open C thing. Um, but I don't really do that because uh, it kind of okay. messes with the patterns and all the shapes and stuff that I like. So, but I do really enjoy playing that tune with. Uh, you know, so I don't, this ain't, this ain't Earl's way, this is my way. Uh, home sweet home, since I'm in the pleasure of my home sweet home. <laughs> oh yeah, I gotta get these earplugs out for this.
Bello.